thank you for your giving on today. All throughout history, the enemy has tried to get the future children of God, and sometimes he's been successful at doing it. People ask questions such as, why is the devil fighting me so hard? Or, why can't I get a break? Or, why do I have to fight for everything that I do? And then there's the feelings. It's the feelings as though, and the thought, what are you doing to make a difference? Or is what I'm doing making a difference? You feel that no one even cares about what you've done. Huh? You feel like, what's the use in continuing to do it? And if you find yourself saying these things, or if you're feeling like that, then what I've described to you here this morning, I, I believe it's because the enemy has more faith in you than what you have in yourself. And he thinks that if he's going to deal with you, he's got to deal with you in the now and not you in the future because he doesn't have the ability to handle the you that you will be in the future. The devil doesn't mess with people that don't have a promise. He only fights people of promise. <clears throat> he only fights people that get up and do something. Right? Have you ever, I'm sure we all know somebody who is always talking about it, but never being about it. They're always saying they're going to do something, but they never get to it. They never do it. And, and the enemy's not worried about people that are just talking about it. He's concerned about people that are being about it, that are doing something with what they know. And I want to look at a few here in Scripture today. And let's look at this story of Esau in Genesis chapter 25, verses 23 through 34. It says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. How I many know that isn't right? The older is not supposed to serve the younger, but there is a prophetic utterance here letting them know there's something that's going to shift. And so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, uh, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over, and so they called his name Esau. And afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And so the boys grew, and Esau was skillful hunter and a man of the field, and Jacob uh, was a mild man and played the Xbox. Oh, I'm sorry, and dwelt in a tent. And Isaac loved Jacob because he, hate, because he hate, ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob 
Now Jacob cooked stew, and Esau came in from the field and was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, uh, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me of this day. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And then he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And thus Esau uh, despised his birthright. Now, most of you all know that my outlet is hunting, and I've had some hunts. But my question is, how hungry could Esau be after hunting one day? And he says, talk about drama. He says, I'm going to starve to death. I'm about to die. Right? To the point that he says that I'm going to die, so my birthright isn't no good. And he, he didn't understand, like many of us don't understand, he was a person with a promise. Have you ever thought that when you speak of the seed of Abraham, that it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? But that don't even sound right, does it? Because we have known it all of this time as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Esau, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. This was not something that just happened. This was a battle that started before they were ever born. Before they was out of the womb, Jacob was trying to get the birthright. But it was not, he was not successful. And if the enemy can't kill you while you're in infancy stage, then he'll try to get you to uh, give up what is coming to you. And you may say, why does he want what I've got? Because I don't have anything. But that's where we're missing it at. It's not about what you've got. It's about what you're going to have in the future. It is about what is coming to you. And he knows that you have a birthright. Birthright means that you have double blessing. Right? It means that you've been born of the flesh, but you're also born of the spirit. And therefore, you have double blessing coming to you. He knows who your father is. He knows that everything that your father has promised, he has the power and the ability to bring it to pass. And so Esau was saying, what good is my future? What good is my future blessing? What good is my promise? Right? And you may be asking yourself the same question today. Your promise is only as good as the ability of the one who has promised it to bring it to pass. And our Father is able. I said our Father is able. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we've able to ask or even think according to the power that is working in us. So don't sell your future for, for a moment of pleasure now. Your future is worth more than anything the enemy will ever be able to give you.
Amen. I said, your future is worth more than your enemy will ever be able to give you. And Daniel says in Daniel 1 in verse 3 through 7, it said, Then the king instructed the master of the, his eunuchs to bring some of his children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom and possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve the, in the king's palace and in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chanladines, right? Notice this, what they're about to do. They're going to change their language. Sound familiar? If you're going to change a nation, you can't try to change an old head. You got to start with the kids. You got to teach them a different language. You got to teach them how to speak and how to say things. And so you shift their way of thinking. If you're going to change a nation, you got to do it generationally. Right? You can't just try to get somebody off of the foundation and the platform. You're not going to change my mind on the way I'm thinking. You're not going to, my mind is already structured. Huh? I know what I believe. So you can't change America with just this, my generation trying to shift it. But, but we've got to get our grandkids changed their language and their literature. And the king appointed them to daily provision of the king's delicacy or meat and of the wine. Right? He's saying, what he's saying is, I'm going to teach them, I'm going to give them the, the, the spirit, and I'm going to give them the meat. And so I'm going to give them, teach them how to think. I'm going to teach them how to do a thing. And then I'm going to put them in three years of discipleship or training. Right? Because you can't take these men that have been learned and trained and put them directly into another system because their system is not like the system that they have been living in. So I've got to reprogram them. I've got to restructure their mind. I've got to change the way they're thinking. And then I'm going to put them in three years of discipleship to teach them how to do a thing. And so that the end of the time they might serve before the king. And now from among those sons of Judah were Daniel and Meshel or Azariah. And to them the chief eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name uh, Belshazzar, Haniah, Shadrach, and Meshel, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. And so God told Hezekiah that all of his family had stored up and what he had waiting for them. And then we look and we see that he says that it's his own flesh and his own blood would be eunuchs in the kingdom, king's palace in Babylon. And Hezekiah was uh, of Judah's godly kings. He was one of those who went into order after his father had brought the kingdom into adultery. 
And the first thing that Hezekiah did in his reign was to reopen the temple's doors that his father had closed and assemble priests and Levites. And he commissioned them to sanctify themselves for service. And Hezekiah was restoring praise in uh, his kingdom and the enemy didn't like it and wanted to stop him from flowing into the future generations. And that is the battle that is going on. We see it fight, was fighting out here in Daniel. The king is calling for a man uh, to come over from the eunuchs and to get the cream of the crop, <coughs> right? He's looking for future leaders of Judah to recruit or to bring in so that he can make them eunuchs. And that would be take away the praise from Judah. If I can get the leadership, if I can get those in Judah and I can take that generation out and I can extract them, then it will stop the sound of praise. It will stop the worship in the land. And now they will not be able to go to the next level in their generation. He sent one that was over the eunuchs. That suggests to me that he was trying to make Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was trying to make these eunuchs. The eunuch means to be castrated. It speaks of the inability to reproduce after your own kind. And the enemy couldn't do anything about their past praise that brought their forefathers out of trouble, but he couldn't do anything about their present praise that they already had, but he was going to try to stop them from producing praisers in the future. And the enemy knew that these were people of promise. He knew that if he could stop their praise the fut in their future, that they would only be remembering what had happened in their past, but not having a futuristic understanding that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if he could stop their praise from going into the future, he could stop their promise from coming to pass. That's why I'm telling you that you have to fight. The fight that you're now in is not over what you've got. Your fight is over your promise of your future. It is what is coming that the enemy is trying to stop you from getting. He can't take away from you what you've already got. He cannot take away your experience. He cannot take away your salvation. He cannot take away your baptism of the Holy Spirit. He cannot take away your healing. He cannot take away your joy and the peace and the victory that you have experienced in the past and in the present. But what he is after is to try to get you from this moment on to not be able to reproduce it in your future he wants to make spiritual eunuchs out of us where that we will not be able to produce the praise, that we'll not be the worshipers, that we'll not take another generation under our wing and teach them the goodness of God and the power of God. And that is if you stay faithful and you keep praising God and you keep worshiping God, you will fulfill everything that God said that he would do through your life. But you can't stop praising him. You can't stop worshiping him. Don't allow your praise to 
become unfruitful or lifeless. Don't allow the enemy to steal your seed of praise. Within that seed of praise is your promise. Amen. When we look at Peter, we see here in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 6. And when they had done this, they taught, uh, they caught a great multitude or a great number of fish and their nets was breaking, right? They had this great multitude of fish and their net was breaking. That's in Luke chapter 6. Now this comes at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is when Jesus just began to preach at the age of 30 years old. Three years goes by and this same Jesus talking to these same men, telling them to do the same thing, but they get a different outcome. In John chapter 21 in verse 11, it's three years later, and so Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Amen. The net was not broken. Now, what was the difference? Three years ago, Jesus told them to do it. They did it and the net broke. Three years later, Jesus tells them to do the same thing, and the net does not break. I come today to tell somebody that has tried it before and it didn't work. The net broke, but you was in a different season. You were in a different time, and now you're in a new season. You're in another time. And the master's telling you to do the same thing. And your natural mind is telling you, I've done it once and I know the result and I'm not interested in that. But you've got to get beyond your psychic. You've got to get beyond your own knowledge because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. And he said to do it. And if he said to do it, all you have to do is be obedient. And then the outcome is going to be different because you're in a different time now you're in a different season now you're in a different moment now and so what did not produce for them three years ago is now producing a harvest that they cannot even contain amen what are you saying pastor I'm telling you it's time to do it again I said it's time to do it again and expect a different outcome glory to God you need to expect that what God said to do, He's going to do it exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we're able to ask or even think. Why? Because God said to do it, and in the right time and in the right season, God will bring the harvest that He has promised into your life. You believe it? Give Him some kind of praise here today. <laughs> to everything there is a time, and there is a season. David was anointed 15 years to be the king before he ever sat on the throne. Because he was anointed, he was appointed, but it wasn't time. Jesus was always king, but in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son made of woman and born under the law. And in the fullness of time, at the right time. 
He showed up for the right plan in the right season. And he set up on his throne to rule and to reign. Glory to God. This time the net is not going to break. This time for you, you're going to do the same thing, but you're going to get a different result because you're in the right time. You're in the right season. And when you're in the right time and in the right season, everything works. Amen. The most frustrating thing that you will ever do is try to reap a harvest in the wrong season. Amen. You might be hungry for apples, but go out there in May. And take you a big bite. Huh? And it'll curl your lips up over your head. Yes, it will. Because it's in the wrong season. It may even look good. But it's going to be hard. It's, not, it's going to be bitter instead of sweet. And so it is. The timing of God is everything. I said the timing of God is everything. And whenever you're out of time, when you're out of step, when you're out of season, it will frustrate you because you're trying to make something happen that it isn't time yet. But oh, how easy it is at the right time. Come on, somebody. You walk out there to that tree in June or July and you don't have to pull on the apple. All you got to do is reach up and touch it and it'll fall in your hand because it's the right time. It's prepared. It is ready. It's harvest time. What do you say? And I'm telling you that in seasons when we get dreams, we get visions, we get the heart of God and we hear the heart of the Lord and we begin to try to make it happen and we try to do it out of step. We try to do it out of time. But when we wait upon the Lord and we say at the right time, at the right place, at the right season, that God will order our steps. He will put people around us that are supposed to be around us. He'll put us in the right position at the right place. And he will cause things to happen that we could never make happen. Why? Because we're in the right season and the right time. You get your car out of time. You may get where you're going, but it's not going to be no fun. Huh? I mean, if you get a good Chevrolet out of time, you'll think you're driving a Ford. <laughs> yes, you will. That thing will sputter, it'll, it'll misfire because you're not in step, you're not in time, right? And that's what happens with us spiritually. Sometimes we hear the word of the Lord and we, we did hear the word of the Lord. We heard the heart of God, but, but it isn't the right time. And we, and we tried it in that season and in that time when we heard it and, and it didn't happen like we thought it was going to happen. But God calls them and says, do it again. Three years later, and it's the right time, and now the nets can't handle the harvest. But they're not broken. Glory to God. Amen. David found himself in a cave with 300 men. Imagine that.
I can't imagine myself in a cave with three men. I love folks, but I ain't, I'm not so interested in, you know, tight surroundings with people I don't know. We went on, Renee and I and the kids went on a, one of them uh, trips, we cruise, yeah, cruise. That sounded fun. And... Uh, we got on that cruise and no longer, and we got out just getting out of the distance. I was on the top of that ship. I was sitting there and <clears throat> I was looking and you could just barely see the land. And Renee came up there and found me. She said, what are you doing? I said, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> she said, what you talking about? I said, we're going on vacation with 2,700 people we don't even know. Can you imagine being in a cave with 300 men and they got problems? They're suicidal, they're cray-cray, they, they in a mess, right? And 300 of them start training. David starts training these men for war. He trains them for battle. And he leads them to become leaders and become masters of war. And in 1 Samuel chapter 29, they are away from their homes, away battling and fighting and doing the things and taking care of business. And they come home only to find their city is burnt to the ground and their wives and their children are taken hostage. And if that's not bad enough, in verse, 1 Samuel 30, it said in verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. I wonder why. For the people spoke of stoning him because uh, the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is people that David helped. This is not talking about the enemy. This is talking about people that David brought out of a cave of suicide. and They broke. They were in distress. And he spoke into them and encouraged them. And because them they become great and mighty men, he, he invested in them. The only reason they were still alive is because of David. And now they're talking about killing him. Welcome to pastoring, Brother David. It would have been good time for David to give up. It would have been a good time for David to quit. But he chose, he made a choice, he made a decision, and the Bible said the decision he made was to encourage himself in the Lord. All of us come to places in our own lives where we have to make a choice. Are we going to quit or are we going to rise up? Are we going to fulfill our destiny or are we going to allow it to be just a, another hope and another wish? Are we going to give up or are we going to get up? Are we going to get up and we're going to finish? Some, some people will quit not knowing how close they are to victory. Not knowing how close they are to the finish line. Right?
me and praise team was talking before service about uh, Caleb and Pastor Charlie. You know, they won that run that 100K yesterday. I'm going to tell you something. You see me out running, you better stop and pick me up. Because I ain't interested in that at all. Right? But they love it. Glory to God. They love it. But I love to hunt. And I was bear hunting. I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am right now. But I was bear hunting. I probably told you this story. If you, I did, forgive me. But I was bear hunting in Lewisburg, and, and the dogs was running this bear, and it went to the top of this mountain, and it was, I think, Snake Mountain or something like that. And I climbed over those rocks and those hills and all this mess and got to the top, and I was huffing and puffing. And about the time I got up there and seen the bear in the tree, that joker jumped out. And it went to the bottom, down to the river. So here I went. We went down to the river. And then we got down to the river, and I got 150 yards of it, and here it comes, jumped out, and run back to the top of that mountain. And I, here I go, up to the top of that mountain again, and it, back and forth. And then, and then we, he, went, he jumped out again. He goes back to the bottom. I get back to the bottom. He had went across the river, and somebody else shot the bear. The devil is a liar. <laughs> and I was huffing and puffing and I was trying to get back to the truck. And I told him, I laid down on the ground and I told my buddy, I said, I'd give $100 for a water right now. And he eased up over the knoll and he said, would you still give $100 for that water? I said, I sure would. He said, the truck's right there. <laughs> Sometimes we get so close, but we don't know it. We get in the beat of the battle and our vision gets blurred. And we get in the, in the fight and we, we get so close, but we don't know it. And at this time, I looked it up and I did a little study on it. And at this time that David is going through all of this, his life is a mess. He is, he's a chaotic mess. He's been anointed as king, but now he's still going through all of this. His wife and his children are gone. His houses and his city is built, burnt to the ground. People that he is raised up and invested in are talking about killing him and he was seven days away from becoming the king seven days away he could have given up he could have quit he could have said enough is enough he could have said I know what you said to me 15 years ago but it's not happened in my life and I don't see it happening now everything that I've hoped for everything I've believed in it's all gone he could have given up and quit but he made a choice to encourage himself in the Lord and seven days later he was pronounced king, glory to God. He was pronounced what God always called him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I tell somebody here today you're closer to your miracle than you think you are? 
You're closer to doing what God said you was going to do, being what God said you was going to be. Don't give up, but encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the promises of God. Push away the depression. Push away the fret and the fear. I know it may look bleak right now, but in the bleakest moment of David's life, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And in doing so, seven days later, he seen come to pass everything God told him he would ever be. Amen. It's your choice. It's my choice. We can quit or we can encourage ourselves. We can praise him one more time. We can give him a crazy praise. We can push forth the praise to him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we can begin to lift up his wonderful name. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. For the king of glory is going to come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's mighty in battle. Hallelujah. He's coming with his gifts. He's coming with his grace he's coming with his power he's coming with his anointing he's coming with an angelic host to minister the heirs of salvation he's going to perform in you what he has promised over you all of your life hallelujah you see whenever you praise him the reason that it's important for you to do that is because the king's glory is manifested to other kings by how well his people take care of him. Amen. Well, we know the king, the queen died. All right. The glory of the queen was how well her people took care of her. The reason you bring gifts to the king is to test his wealth. Because whatever you bring to him, he must give you something greater back or he becomes your servant. Right? Watch this. When the queen of Sheba came with a load of gifts, she wasn't trying to be nice. She was testing his wealth. Testing the wealth of Solomon. But when she left, Solomon had outblessed her until she left saying, I've never seen nothing like this. Right? I've never seen nothing like this and the half has never been told to me. Don't you understand when you come to God's house and you should praise him because he's given you everything amen and when you give him your all then he reciprocates that by giving you his all that's the reason we often say you can't outgive god because whenever you give him a shout of glory, when you give him praise, when you acknowledge him in your worship and you saturate heaven with your love and with your praise and with your adoration and your worship, he said, I'm going to inhabit your, your praise. I'm going to inhabit your worship and his glory is more weighty than our praise. 
His glory is more worthy than our worship. Amen. He, what he pours out is always greater than what we lift up. And so when we begin to worship Him, when we begin to praise Him, when we come to church, you think about everything that's not right. You think about everything that's wrong. You think about everything, but you've just got to push all of that aside and say, this is my moment to praise God. This is the hour. This is my season when corporate praise and corporate worship that I'm going to worship the King of glory. I'm going to magnify His name. I'm going to exalt Him together with my brothers and sisters I'm going to create an atmosphere for his throne that he will set upon it and inhabit with my praise and my worship amen and so there is something today that we have to know and that is that we we have to be in the right season we have to be in the right time and just because we did it out of time doesn't mean that if we do it in time we're going to get the same result There's no lack in God. I said there's no lack in God. The king of his kingdom, there is no lack in his glory. He is the king of glory. And his promise is greater than your praise. But if you will give him your praise, he will give you his promise. Amen. His promise is greater than your praise. But if you'll give him your praise, he'll give you his promise. Hallelujah. I want to bring the king something. And in time, I want to be obedient to what he says to do. Even if it's telling me to do what I've already done, I want to be obedient and believe for another result. Because it's not up to me to make it happen. If I can make it happen, then I wouldn't need God to tell me to do it. But the very fact that he speaks to me to tell me to do it lets me know that I'm not on my own. All I got to do is be obedient in time And he will produce, he will bring forth the promise that he's declared over my life. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Stand with me today, please. Make no mistake about it. This isn't over your past. This is over your future. It's where you're going. Because the enemy can't do nothing about where you've been, where you are, but he's going to try to sabotage where you're going. Amen. So today, I don't know who I come to talk to, but I feel like I come to say to some, somebody today, don't give up on the brink of your miracle. been studying this week and I could hear my mama and my daddy singing that song don't give up on the brink of a miracle don't give up God is still on his throne 
Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up. Remember, you're not alone. Today, I just come to encourage somebody to tell you, don't give up on the brink of your miracle. You're closer than you think you are. The enemy wouldn't have attacked you so hard like he's attacking you right now. He isn't going to throw his best shot at you because you're giving up or you're quitting. He's throwing his best shot at you because you're too close to the promise. And he's trying to sabotage you and destroy you before you can get there. Don't give up. Praise him anyhow. Worship him anyhow. Give him the praise that he's worthy of. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. This word's for you today. I give you an opportunity to respond to it. Put a yes on the altar. Let the word of God work in your life today.